For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. In John chapter 5, Jesus heals a man who is very sick, he's an invalid, he's lame, a man at the pool of Bethesda, and he heals him on the Sabbath. And according to the Jews of that day, especially the Pharisees, this was a transgression of the law of Moses. To heal, in their view, was work. And work was prohibited on the Sabbath. Jesus' response to this accusation is this, John 5, 17 following. He says, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. It's a great response. It gets him in even more trouble. He says, The father has been working. He's always working. And I am working too. Scripture says that that in him, in the person of the Son, everything is upheld by his power. In him, all things consist. So if Jesus wasn't working, in that sense, nothing would be. Continuing, therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him, because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his Father, making himself equal with God. Jesus then launches into a discourse in which he explains, if I may summarize, that faithfulness to the scriptures, that faithfulness to the law of Moses, faithfulness to God the Father, all of these are inextricably bound up with faithfulness to the Son. Thus, to reject the Son is to reject the Father, and vice versa. To reject the Father is to reject the Son. To reject the words of the Word is to reject the Word Himself. For our purposes this morning, there are two verses in John 5 that I want to draw your attention to before we get to the Passover, and we're going to get to it. First, John 5.39, in which our Lord says, You search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. You search the Scriptures. Now, when Jesus says the Scriptures, to what books is he referring to? What's the referent of the Scriptures? Well, it's the Old Testament, or the so-called Old Testament. Well, how do we know this? Because there was no New Testament at this point. Every, and maybe you're like, well, duh, Father Matt. But have we really thought about this? Think about this. Every mention of the scriptures in the New Testament is in reference to the Old Testament. So when the Apostle Paul writes in, in 2 Timothy 3, that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. 
that all Scripture is God-breathed. Meaning all Scripture is of divine origin. When Paul writes that, that applies by extension, of course, to the New Testament. But it is, it is the Old Testament which is in view. All Scripture, Genesis, Exodus, even Leviticus, even Numbers, ladies, that are going to be diving into Numbers, all of it is God-breathed and is profitable. It's not just that it's divinely inspired, but it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and righteousness, so that you'll know a bunch of facts and can run through the Bible category in jeopardy and win a lot of money. No, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished into all good works. It's for your sanctification. All of it. The Old Testament is Scripture. And Scripture is the Word of God. The words of the Word. Capital W. The Living Word. So what does this mean? This means that we can't ignore the Old Testament. And we certainly cannot jettison it. In fact, if you were to remove from the New Testament Every quotation of the Old Testament, every reference to the Old Testament, Old Testament content, the milieu of the patriarchs, of the Exodus, you would have a blank page in front of you. You wouldn't have anything less. Left, rather. To reject the Old Testament is to reject the New Testament. We need to understand that, yes, there is discontinuity between life under the law of Moses for the Jews and life under the law of Christ uh, as the nations. But there is an utter continuity between the Old and New Testaments. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the Holy Trinity. The second verse is John 5.46, which you've already heard. Our Lord said, For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. He wrote about me, our Lord says. The Old Testament in general, and in this case the Pentateuch, the five books of Moses bear witness to the Word. They bear witness to Jesus. They are about Jesus. Jesus is in the Old Testament. There he is spoken of. There he is prophesied. There he is typified. And there he is present. Actually, Present. Last week, Jesus was in the burning bush. Jesus was not on the sidelines of God's divine plan of redemption until Christmas. Before Abraham was, I am, he said. The rock from which the Israelites drank in the wilderness was Christ, as St. Paul says. 
Moses wrote about Jesus. The story of the Exodus is the story of the gospel. The story of the Exodus is the story of the gospel. And it is difficult, if not impossible, to understand the latter without knowledge of the former. The event of the Passover and the subsequent rite of the Passover, the feast, these are about Christ, his person and his work and our participation in him. And this Passover motif, this Exodus motif, is everywhere in the New Testament and in the liturgy. The Holy Eucharist was instituted as a Passover meal. It is the Passover meal of the new covenant because Jesus Christ is the true Paschal Lamb of God. As the blood of unblemished lambs, of spotless lambs on the doorposts and lintels did deliver the firstborn sons of Israel from death, so does Jesus' blood shed on the cross deliver us, the sons and daughters of God, from eternal death. We need the Old Testament. We need the Exodus story. The Exodus story is the gospel story. In John 1, when John the Baptist sees Jesus coming toward him, what does he say? He says, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Which we've already sung in the Gloria. He says, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. What sense would that statement make apart from the Exodus story? It'd just be weird. Okay. It's everywhere in the scriptures and in the liturgy. In the liturgy, when the host, when the body of Christ is broken, this is called the fraction, we say, we sing, Adding Alleluia except in Lent. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Where did that come from? It didn't come from Thomas Cranmer. It came from 1 Corinthians chapter 5. That's a direct quotation of Scripture. Christ, our Passover, has been sacrificed for us. And this feast which we keep, which we're keeping right now, is the feast of victory for our God. The victory that Christ won over sin, death, and Satan by his life, death, and resurrection. By the blood of the perfect, spotless Passover Lamb of God, we've been delivered, we've been redeemed. In Revelation 5, Christ is spoken of as the Lamb. He's envisaged 
as a conquering king and the Lamb of God. He is priest, victim, and victor. The 24 elders fall down before the Lamb, Scripture says, and they cry out in song, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. And then an innumerable multitude of angels and saints joined this new song, singing, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. The story of the Exodus is the story of the gospel. It bears witness to the person and work of Jesus, to the salvation wrought by the triune God. For the Father so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son to deliver us from death by his death on the cross. Brothers and sisters, we have gone through the Red Sea, through the waters of baptism to freedom. As Israel was led in the wilderness by the pillar of cloud and fire, so are we led by the Spirit. And not only led by the Holy Spirit, but indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has written the law of Christ on our hearts. The Israelites were commanded to to put it crudely, put on their travel gear when they ate this feast because they left Egypt in haste. We are Eucharistic people. Where are we at in the Exodus story? We're, we're journeying, hopefully not wandering, but journeying in the wilderness towards the blessed life of the age to come. And we are sustained on that journey by the bread from heaven. We're sustained by the Passover Lamb of God. And so, brothers and sisters, let us consider the whole counsel of God. Let us dive into the scriptures, even into the Old Testament. For in these words, we encounter the living word. Because of what scripture is, it has the power to transform our lives. The sacramental element of scripture, that as we read it, as we hear it, As the Spirit opens our hearts to receive it, we are transformed by the words of the Word. We encounter 
Jesus. And as we move towards Holy Communion, pay attention to all the Exodus language. But more than that, let us be mindful of such a great salvation that was won for us by the Paschal Lamb of God. And let us sing out with hearts full of praise and thanksgiving. Alleluia. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us.